That was loud. Sorry about that. Uh, good morning, good morning. We've got a lot of guests in the house, and that makes me very happy. A couple of housekeeping things before we get started. Um, we have a lot of babies in the room, and parents, I, I want you to know if they make noise, it's totally okay. All right? Um, I've got five kids. I'm used to a lot of noise, and I don't want you to be feeling like you're making anybody else uncomfortable. We love babies around here, and, and we're happy to have you guys today. Um, also, I've been telling you guys for the last couple of months that on your Faith Life app is an outline that you can follow along with, um, and it, that's not been true. It shows up on mine, but not on yours. Um, we've got uh, a call in, and they have to go to the developers to figure out why it's not working. Anyway, long story short, I have printed copies of the outline if you'd like those. Bethany has got some back there in the back, or there's some up here on the front pew. Feel free to get up, move around, get those if you'd like to, uh, to follow along that way. All right, so... Let's, let's jump in. I want to kind of overview what we've talked about for the last couple of weeks. We've got a lot of new people in the house, and it's going to kind of help frame what we're going to talk about today. So we started this year, um, by the way, if you don't know me, my name is Will, and I'm the teaching pastor here at, at Gathering Place West. Um, we've been talking about since the beginning of the year, we're, we're studying for however long it takes, we're going to go through the book of Exodus. Um, and so the last couple of weeks, we've talked about um, several different things. The Last, uh, not last week, but the week before that, we had another baby dedication Sunday, and so I, I specifically kind of keyed on some, some things that I felt like the Lord was bringing out of our story that week. It's about the birth of Moses and the things that, that his mother went through, but we talked about how God's redemptive plan always begins with children. If you look in Scripture, when God begins to redeem his people, obviously uh, it starts with someone, and that, that someone always begins as a child, and we talked about the fact that we are image bearers of God, that we are born in the image of God, we are created that way, and we are his chosen way to reveal himself in this world. We talked about how God purposely chooses the most helpless form, a baby, to begin his work, um, and that shows us that the only qualification that we have for doing God's work is simply being alive. That's the only thing that we have that we can offer to bring to the table. Um, and God does this, he uses helpless people in order to show who he is, to show his power and his authority um, and his abilities to accomplish the work, all right? Um, last, last, on that Sunday, we talked about God's plans require that, that we as, as parents fulfill our role in bringing up and raising our children to know the Lord so that they can, they can then know who he is and also know who they are as image bearers of a holy God, okay? We looked at the setting in which Moses was born, um, the fact that uh, there was an edict out by the Pharaoh that all the male children be born and, and the way his mother broke the law and the things that she did in order to protect his life. And we saw how God even brought Moses back into his mother's home after he was um, uh, found by Pharaoh's daughter and how God uh, ultimately um, facilitates all of our circumstances for his purposes. And even though it seems like things are, are going really, really bad and really wrong, uh, God is in control, and we talked about how Moses lived with his mother for another four to five years, and during that time, she poured into him who he was uh, as an image bearer of God and who his people were as Hebrew people, and so that when he left her home and was raised in Pharaoh's house, he still had an idea of who he was, and that throughout his life, he was able to go back to those moments as a small child and remember who he was. Okay, we talked about how we as parents are God's primary plan for raising our children and for teaching our children who God is. And then we talked about how parenting is not a biological response to a biological function. Parenting is a spiritual response to the work that a holy God is doing in our lives who made us in his image. Okay, 
Um, last week we talked about uh, Moses specifically and the call that God had on his life and, and Glenn preached last week and he talked about how it's so important for us as we go through the book of Exodus. Um, most of the time when we read that story, we put ourselves in the place of the Israelites and we read it from that perspective. But the perspective that God wants us to have as we're studying this time as we study through the book of Exodus is that we are the Moses in the story and we are the Joshua and God is calling us as a body of believers to set people free from the bondage that they are living under, okay? Um, we talked about how the enemy intends to harm us, but that God always turns that and uses it for good. We talked about how God gave Moses a passion for his people. It's evident in his life that God is doing a work in Moses' life, and God has put a desire in there for his own people. And we talked about how God is always going to accomplish his plan in his way. That even when we try to step outside of what God is calling us to do and do it in our own authority and our own power, that God is going to eventually get us back onto his path and have us do it his way, okay? And even when we mess up, God does whatever is necessary to bring us back to himself and to get us back where he needs us to be. So today we're going to pick up where we left off. Last week when we ended our, our story, um, Moses last week specifically, we talked about his um, interaction with the Egyptian who was beating a Hebrew. We know that story. We know that Moses killed that Egyptian uh, thinking that no one was watching and he buried the body. And then the next day, some of his Hebrew brothers were fighting and he called them out about it. And they said, what are you going to do, kill us too? And so Moses realized that the thing that he's done, he thought it was in secret, was not. And so uh, Pharaoh finds out and pursues Moses, and Moses runs for his life to the land of Midian. And it says that once he arrived there, he sits down at a well. And that's where we left off. So we're going to pick up there today. But before we jump into the passage, I want you to, to, to understand that we're going to look at this passage today with two different lenses on. I want us to have two different perspectives. One, for us as a body of believers to look at the things that are going on in Moses' life and then make some application for what does that mean for us. As we study this story and we see the things that God is doing in Moses' life, what does that mean for us as believers, as a people that are called to help people to come out of bondage? Okay? But also, secondly, I want us to, to look at those same principles as parents and learn some, some very specific lessons about what it means to be a parent, what our call as a parent is to be uh, in our children's lives. So we're going to start today in Exodus chapter 2. We're going to read verses 16 through 25. So it'll be up on the screen or you can follow along in your Bible if you'd like. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. When they came home to their father Reuel, he said, How is it you have come home so soon today? They said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and even drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, Then where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah. She gave birth to a son, and they called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. So let's go back one more verse before we, before we get going. Just kind of set the stage again. This is verse 15. It says, When Pharaoh heard it, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. So Moses, we, we talked about already, he killed a person, and then he's running for his life. Pharaoh 
uh, is wanting to, to kill Moses. And so Moses runs to the land of Midian. Midian is about 250 miles from where we believe Moses originated in Egypt. And so if he's on foot, 250 miles, that's going to take him somewhere between five and eight days, depending on how fast he's moving, okay? If he's running for his life, I'm assuming he's going pretty fast, okay? So follow me on this thought. There'd not been much time between when Moses had killed an Egyptian and then he runs for his life and he finds himself in Midian, okay? It's there that these women arrive to draw water from the well to, to water their flocks and then some shepherds come up and try to drive them away. And Moses immediately comes to their defense and drives the shepherds away. Point number one that I want to make today that we see in Moses' life is that God-given passions aren't deterred by time and expense. Okay? And what I mean by that is there's a period of time from which Moses leaves Egypt and runs to Midian. I don't know about you, but for most guys that I know, the time in which we are still mad about something or still angry about something is not five to eight days, right? Typically, guys can get an argument about something, give it a day, and everything's, you know, back to normal. It's all good. Ladies, can't say the same for you, okay? Not, not saying anything else about that, okay? Our, the passions that God put in our lives, they don't fade because God is living in us and He doesn't change. Those passions that he put in his life stay in us because God is in us. There's a huge difference, huge difference between something that you enjoy and something that's a God-given passion. And it's really important that we figure out which is which. It's really important because we don't want to risk putting all of our time and energy and resources into something that's not a God-given passion. Because ultimately, if we do that, we're going to get to the end of that and we're going to still be left feeling empty. And we're going to be asking ourselves, why did I waste all this time? Um, for me, I love adventure. I love to hike. and I love to be out on the water and fish and all of those things. I love to cowboy. All of those things are a lot of fun. But they're not my passion. And I know they're not my passion because over the course of my life, my desire for those things have waxed and waned. They've come and they've gone back and forth. And there are times where I'm really passionate about riding horses and then there's times where life gets busy and I just have to put that to a side. But something that's in my life that's never changed, it's never varied, is my desire to help people know who God is. God called me to ministry when I was in high school and from then until now, that has been a constant in my life. And that's not because I'm a great guy. It's not because I try really hard. It's because God's living in me and he's put that desire in me. And I believe that this is what we're seeing in Moses. When he comes to the defense of these women, it's not just because he's trying to be a hero. I think that, that if that idea of being a hero for Moses was just something that he had conjured up, something that he thought would be a good idea, that the fact that someone was try chasing him, trying to kill him, that would have set that aside. He'd have, he'd have killed that as well. But we see that Moses immediately comes to these women's defense. Okay? There is a passion for justice in Moses' life, but that passion has already cost him his position in Egypt, which would be his wealth. It cost him his home. He was a, considered to be a prince in the Pharaoh's household. And so everything that was of worldly value to him, he lost because of this passion that God has put in his life for justice for his people. And he's also lost his relationships because he had to flee that land and go to Midian. It's obvious by the way Moses stands up that this is God. He can't escape it. Justice has become a part of who Moses is. It's part of his character. It's part of his identity. 
And today as we consider the passion, what I'm hoping you're thinking, where your mind is going, is what is the passion that God's put in my life? And as you consider what that might be, I hope that, that we realize that just like Moses, we must completely rely on God to fuel that passion and to give us the resources that we need in order to, to accomplish it. In Philippians 2.13 it says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's God who puts that desire in it. But it's really important that we ask for that. We need to ask God to give us a passion for the ministry that he's called us to, especially raising our children. Now you may be thinking, well, if God's given it to me, why am I also asking for it? If he's working ahead of me to put that passion in me, we've talked a lot about the abiding cycle in here. And one of the things that we learn is we abide in Christ, that our desires become like God's desires because we're becoming one. And that act of us asking is vocalizing. It's agreeing with God that this is what's important to me. And so we need to vocalize those things and say, God, give me a passion for this. Now, you may think, well, why do I need to ask God for a passion to raise my children? Let me, let me if parents, especially if this is your first child, let me, let me, let me lay this out here. This is how it's going to work for you, okay? Your three-year-old is going to wake you up at 4 o'clock in the morning and want you to come cover her back up. And so you get up and you go in there and then she goes, no, I want mama, Okay? That's how that plays out. At that point, I don't know about you, but for me, I need to ask God for some passion to raise my child in the appropriate way because that good passion is not what I'm feeling, all right? We need to ask God. I want to make this point, and I talked about this two weeks ago, is that what we're doing as parents is not biological. It is, but that's not all. It's a spiritual act, and we need to ask God to give us a passion to be the kind of parents that we need to be in order to raise our children the way God wants us to be done, okay? Just being a good parent isn't good enough. You can't look at the people that are raising children around you and go, well, in comparison to this person, I'm doing pretty good, okay? That's not what it's about, okay? We must rely on the Holy Spirit to give us strength, to give us patience, to give us wisdom, Because we're going to need all of those things in order to succeed in teaching our kids about who God is and who they are in his image. Okay? And again, as we are abiding, as we are spending time daily with the Lord, this is where that passion comes from. This is what fuels that fire. As we are spending time with him daily, our desires become his desires and we, we get on the same page. And then as we parent, as we have those times when things are stressful or things are really good, the things that we're doing are the things that God wants us to do because we are one with him, okay? It's God who gives us the passion and the ability to accomplish his purposes in our lives and in our children's lives. It's God that does that work, okay? The way that we maintain that passion is just by focusing on him. Point number two, our dependence on God reveals his goodness. Our dependence on God reveals his goodness, we see a very different reaction when Moses uh, goes to Midian. The, reaction, the interaction that he has with the shepherds, he gets a completely different reaction than the, than the, than the interaction that he had with uh, the Egyptian and the Hebrews back in Egypt. And in Egypt, we see the Hebrews looking at Moses' action and judging him because Moses was trying to accomplish God's goals with his own authority and his own, and his own power. And the result of that ended up being murder, right? But then when we get to, to Midian, we see a similar interaction where these men are attacking these women and Moses stands up for them, okay? 
But instead of Moses operating out of his own power and out of his own authority, what we see Moses doing in this story is he is, is basically uh, mimicking a story that he's already heard. If you'll, if you'll remember, Jacob, when he went to the well, I, I joked with, with Russ this week, I said, as I'm studying, I, I learned that if you're Jewish and you need a wife, just find a well. You're going to get a wife, like it's over, okay? You just go to a well and, and a woman will show up and then, then you have a wife. But we see Jacob... Whenever he meets his wife, Rachel, he goes to the well and he uncovers it for her. And so, for, I know for Moses, when he's at this well and these women come and then they're attacked, that story is in his mind because of what his mother has taught him. And so you see, he's not, he's not operating out of his own desires, but it's a passion that God has put in his life for justice and for taking care of people, okay? Look, as a church, if we operate out of our own power and our own authority, we're going to see the same results we've always seen. We've talked about as a church that part of the reason that we, you know, you look at the headlines and you've seen these terrible things that are going on in churches today, and it's because so many of us have, have decided to operate out of our own authority and out of our own power instead of asking the Holy Spirit to, to drive the, the train, if you will, okay? If we try to do it our own way, just like with Moses in Egypt, it's going to lead to death and destruction. But if we'll follow God, we'll follow His leading in our lives, we're going to have a, a different result, just like we see in our story today at the well. Okay, The same principle applies in our parenting. While your children are young, you can kind of get away with operating in your own authority and own power. But as your children get older, if you don't have older kids... Uh, and those that have kids that are out of the house now can testify to this. The older your kids get, the better they are, they are at detecting your crap. Sorry, I used that word in church. Okay? But they can see right through you. Okay? So right now when they're young is your opportunity to learn how to do this. Because when they're older and you say, you need to do this, this is what God says, they're going to go, you're not doing it, Dad. That's coming. Okay? So don't, don't waste this time. Take advantage of it. Learn now when they're, when they're young enough that they don't see it yet. Okay? But it's so important that we spend time with the Lord on a daily basis, parents. That's the foundation of being a good parent. The foundation of being a good parent is not reading self-help books. and re Yes, those things are helpful. Parenting books, yes, get them all, okay? But that's not what's going to make you a good parent. What's going to make you a good parent is the Holy Spirit living inside of you, growing your children, okay? Because you're joining that work that He's already doing. When we follow God's leading and obey what He tells us to do, it draws people to God. Moses' reaction is so different when he's at the well in Midian because he's operating in God's authority. Now, we see the women leave, and I think that's a cultural thing. Russ would probably have to verify that, but it probably was not culturally savvy for these women to bring uh, a dude home and be like, hey, Dad, we found this guy at the well. We brought him home, okay? So they go home, which I think is a cultural thing, and they tell their father, he's obviously they're back early because this interaction that they're having was something that was pretty commonplace. And he says, why are y'all back so soon? And they said, well, this guy saved us. And he said, well, where is he? Bring him back here. And so they do, okay? Moses is drawn into that family because he's operating out of God's power, not out of his own. And the same is going to be true with us as a church, as a body of believers. If we try to operate out of our own power, it's going to repel people away from us. They're going to, they're, they're going to come in and they're going to say, oh, these people are just as fake as everybody else I've seen. But if we operate out of the power of the Holy Spirit, we let God drive that passion inside of us, people are going to be drawn to us. And the same is true with our children. 
in Moses' interaction with the Egyptian, he's being reactionary. Something happens, he reacts, okay? In the interaction with, this, with these women, Moses isn't just reacting. He's remembering. He's remembering the things that he's been taught. He's remembering what it means to be a man, okay? Moses, at this point, we think is probably about 40 years old. And the stories that he was told as a child by his mother are still impacting the way he lives as a grown man. And for you and I, parents, that's super encouraging. The time that we have with our children is extremely valuable. And the more we pour into them now as little ones, the better they're going to turn out when they're older. Okay? It doesn't mean that they're not going to have trouble. It doesn't mean that they're not going to have struggles. Okay? I'm a prime example of that. Okay? We all are. We can look back at our life and see sin. But the good news is, is that, parents, if we will spend time fostering our children and, and teaching them who the Lord is and, and who they are in His image, eventually, even if they do stray, they're going to come back to Him. Third and last point I want to make before we do our dedication today is God remembers His covenants. God does not forget. He remembers the covenants, the promises that he makes. At the end of our passage today, we see that while Moses is away, is running away from Pharaoh, okay, whom he'd grown up with, okay, that Pharaoh dies, okay, and a new Pharaoh comes into, um, into power, and the conditions for Israel become even worse, okay, and God at that point, it says that, scripture says that he hears the cries of his people, Okay, and he remembers the covenant that he has made with Abraham. Okay? God hears the cries of his people and he remembers his promise. Genesis fifteen thirteen through 14. This is the covenant that God is remembering. It says, The Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Last week, as Glenn was sharing, he talked about how as we walk through life, as we are following the Lord, there's going to be times of tribulation, times when things are really, really tough, okay? But God always comes through, no matter how bleak things look. If God says He is doing a work, He will complete it. In parenting your children, it's going to be hard. There's going to be times where you're thinking, I, I just can't do this anymore. Can I get an amen from the meeks? Okay? There are going to be times where you think, I can't handle it. And that's the times when God says, I know. <laughs> I'm right here. Let me help you. Okay? Stay the course. Because your children are worth it. Okay? Proverbs 2, 22.6. We've all heard this a million times. Train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. God will always complete the work that he starts we see that over and over and over again and so today is a special day for us because as parents and as a body of believers we are making a commitment to God and to one another that we are going to raise these children to know the Lord right and and we are doing that in agreement with the Holy Spirit God has called us to do that as believers and so we are agreeing with God that we're going to do a work that he's already said he's going to do and God's going to complete that He's going to do it. And it doesn't matter how much we screw up. God, even when we do, God's going to redeem that and he's going to complete his work. Okay? I, I referenced this a couple of weeks ago, but I wanted to go back to it again. I love this passage out of Colossians verse one, or chapter 1, verse 24 through 29. This is Paul 
talking to the church at Colossae, he says, Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. And in my flesh I am willing, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mysteries hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. How we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, and he powerfully works within me. God is going to bring people to us if we are walking with him, okay? And, and they are going to realize their need for him. In the end of this passage, we see that the people of Israel are crying out to God. They are acutely aware that they need rescue, that it is beyond their capability. And Paul is talking to the church of Colossae and he's communicating to them that, that Christ in us, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, is the answer to that cry. As we look at this book of Exodus, as we consider ourselves to be Moses and Joseph in people's lives, Paul is communicating to the church that we individually and as a body, Christ in us is what is going to help people to come out of bondage. But that only happens... The only way that happens is if we are following God's lead and doing it in His power and His authority, okay? Just like Israel, there are going to be people in our lives. Paul, don't make that baby cry. There are going to be people in our lives that are desperate for relief from bondage, okay? From dead religion, from sin. And we need to do our part in blessing those people, Okay? They're going to cry out for God. And if we are blessing people, if we're walking with the Lord the way we're called to do, we're going to be in exactly the right moment at exactly the right time when that cry comes out. And we'll be able to say, here is what you're looking for. Right? If we're blessing people the way God's called us. If you're new here, blessing, what we mean by that is begin with prayer, listen to them, eat with them, serve them, and then share the gospel. If we're blessing people, if we're doing life with people that are in bondage, the moment that they realize their need for God, we're going to be there and we will have earned the right to be heard and we're going to be able to share with them and they're going to be able to receive in a way that they never were before. Okay? So church, stay the course even when it's really, really hard. When it looks like I'm never going to get through to this person, you're right, it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit. But stay the course because the people that God has placed in our lives to bless are worth it. They're worth it, okay? At the end of the day, what we need as a body and as individuals, as parents, is humility. To be able to say to God, I cannot do this on my own. That's the place where we need to be, okay? We'll close with these thoughts. Any confidence that we have, okay, is because God has put a passion inside of us for ministry and for parenthood that will not diminish because it's God doing the work in us. Any confidence that we have in our ability, okay? The confidence that we have is that God will be revealed to our children and to the people in our lives because God is doing all the work. That's where our confidence lies. And then our confidence 
is that we, that we have is that God has been revealed to our children and to those in our lives because he's doing all the work. All the work is being done by the Holy Spirit. We're just a live vessel that says, hey God, here I am, use me. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you, um, that you allow us to be a part of this process. God, I thank you for the, for the blessing of, of being a parent, but also uh, being a person that gets to be around all of these kids. And God, I ask that as we, um, as we make commitments today, as we make a commitment to, to raise up these children in the way that you'd have us do that, and to raise them in a way that they can know you, Father, that we would understand that the, the ability to do that lies completely in your hands. It relies on us saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. Father, I ask that you would, as you, as you live in us, as you work in us, that you would give us a passion. You would give us a desire for you to know you and that out of the overflow of that relationship that that would rub off on our children and on the people that you've placed in our lives. Father, help us to to realize today for it to be real in our hearts and our minds that, that it's not about us and it's not about how good we are and how, how many abilities that we have. It's about you and it's about your authority and it's about your abilities. In Jesus' name we pray.